Has anybody ever experienced a problem-free life? If you have, I want you to come pray for me after service. Uh, but I also have noticed something in my life, and maybe you have in yours, and that is this, that oftentimes we get hit with waves of discouragement, waves sometimes of anxiety, waves of hopelessness, waves of depression, and many times when we are caught in one of those waves, what the enemy of our soul wants to do is he wants to pull you and suck you into this vortex of discouragement. And as I was reading and stu uh, studying about the life of Jonathan, one of the things that really struck me about this man is the fact that he was an encourager. He was a man that was full of faith and he had courage, not just enough courage for himself to step out in faith and do the things that God had called him to do and to be the man that God had called him to be. But he was so full of faith that he had enough faith to encourage others. And today we're gonna to look at a passage of scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 23, verses 14 through 16. If you have your Bibles, turn there with me. I, I really love this man, Jonathan, and to prove it, to put my money where my mouth is, so to speak, I named my youngest son after him, Jonathan. But he's an amazing man of God, and I wanted to read this, and let me set up this passage for you this morning. David, the Bible says, is a man after God's own heart. And David yet was a man who wasn't trouble-free by any means. In fact, the prophet Samuel anointed David king and prophesied over him and said, you will be king of Israel. And between the promise and the anointing to be king and the realization and the fulfillment of the promise when he actually became king, there was years upon years before the promise to the fulfillment and the pain in between. And last time I was with you, I hope this word encouraged you. I talked to you about in between the passes, yeah. that oftentimes between the promise and the pain is where we get lost. That's where the enemy comes in sometimes like a flood because he doesn't wanna see the fulfillment of the promise happen into your life. And so there's a key that if we're gonna see the promises of God fulfilled in our life, if you're gonna see your marriage flourish, if you're gonna have an amazing family life that is centered on Christ, if you're gonna have a thriving business that is Christ-centered and God-honoring and glorifying, you're, you're gonna have to uh, encourage yourself sometimes and receive encouragement for some other people. You're going to have to persevere in between the passes. But I was so encouraged personally about reading about this man, Jonathan, and how not only he encouraged himself, but he, he had an armor bearer with him and how that armor bearer was a source of encouragement for him. And then how he would go to his friend, David, in his time of need. Now we're gonna pick up this passage of scripture in a place where David is one of the, in those, one of those low places. He's, in, he's one of the, in those in-between places in his life where Saul is trying to kill him, uh, his own brother in Christ, so to speak, and yet he's got other enemies, the Philistines that are trying to kill him. And so he's got tension on both sides. How many of you this morning feel tension on both sides? Like sometimes you have inner tension and you have, you have problems on the outside and challenges on the inside. And sometimes it's the internal tension 
in conflicts that nobody sees that are the worst. And so this is where we pick up the story where David is at one of his all-time lows. He's discouraged. I, I don't even know how this man at times made it through some of the things that he went through. But how many of you know that God knows at just the right time? I love that. There's a scripture that said, at just the right time, God sent his son, Jesus. How many of you have been in places in your life where you could say, man, I was about to fall off the cliff, but at just the right time, Jesus showed up. Somebody came and encouraged me. Come on. I hope, I believe actually, as I was praying over this message this morning, that there were going to be people, some of you here, some of you maybe watching online, some indeed second service, that maybe, just maybe, that God put this word in my spirit to preach to you because today is just the right time. It's just the right time for God to encourage you. So let me read to you this passage. It says this. Now David stayed in the wilderness strongholds and in the hills of the desert of Ziph. Day after day, Saul searched for him. But I love this. But God did not give David into his hands. I wonder how many times God has spared you from the enemy. Right? Too many times we think about the things that have happened in our life. But what about the things that haven't happened to you because God spared you from what could have happened? How many times do we praise God for the things that didn't happen to us? How many, come on, like uh, the prophet Garth Brooks, how many times do we praise God for unanswered prayers, right? But I wonder how many times God has spared us from things that could have happened. And God was doing that to David. The next verse Verse 15, and while David was at Horish in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. And Saul's son, Jonathan, and here it is. And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horish and helped him find strength in God. That word strength could also be translated in the Hebrew, encouraged. And... Um, it's the Hebrew word shirak. And I heard one pastor said, it's time to get your shirak back. <laughs> it's time to get your strength back. It's time to get encouraged. And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horish. Now, I thought it was interesting, Horish. Horish actually means thick, wooded place. Sometimes we go through things in life, and all we can see is the forest. We can't see beyond the problems that are right in front of us. Sometimes what the enemy does is he makes you feel surrounded and he wants to overwhelm you with the challenges in your life so that all you could see are your problems and you don't see Jesus in the middle of your problems. And I love how God, in just the right time, sends Jonathan. And it says Jonathan went to him. He went to him at David at Horesh in the middle of the thick wood and helped him find strength in God. Don't listen to what he says. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you and you will be king over Israel. He had to remind him of his destiny, just like sometimes we need to be reminded of the things that God has spoken over our life and the promises he's spoken to us through his word. You will be king over Israel, and I will be second to you. Some translations say, I will be right by your side. Even my father Saul knows this. Even the enemy knows that God sent his Holy Spirit, the paraclete, to be right by your side. 
And the two of them, I love this, made a covenant before the Lord. They partnered together. And then Jonathan went home, but David remained in Horish. Even though he remained in the thick woods, I believe what Jonathan did, how he came and he stood by him and encouraged him. Do you know, sometimes all it takes is somebody just to stand by you and to show up. I love in the book of Job, Job's friends got it right in the beginning. They hung around a little too long and started being stupid with their mouth, <laughs> trying to figure out why Job was in the place he was in. But I love how they just showed up and sat with him in the dirt. Sometimes one of the greatest encouragements can be people that just show up, people that just sit by your side. What I've learned as a pastor, I used to get really freaked out when people were really in, in trials or maybe they lost a loved one or they're in the middle of, of struggling, going through divorce. And I would be like, God, I don't know what to say to encourage them. And what I've learned over the years is sometimes all you have to do is show up. Just by showing up and sitting by somebody says enough that in the middle of David being surrounded by enemies, being in the middle of thick woods, surrounded by the tension and the conflict that he was facing and the discouragement that he was facing on the inside, Jonathan, simply by showing up and speaking a word, a word of the Lord, a word of encouragement, gave him strength in God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that your word has the power to encourage us and strengthen us in you. And God, I pray that it does just that this morning. God, I thank you that at just the right time, you give us your word to encourage us. God, I thank you for your church. People are down on the church these days, but I thank you that you birthed the church. It's your bride. It is holy. It is the place where we receive the most encouragement. And I thank you for this place. I thank you for your church. God, I pray today you open our hearts to receive your word and to be strengthened by it. In Jesus' name. Now, church, I want to take a minute. Today, um, today is uh, the anniversary of 9-11. And uh, if you're like me, you remember exactly where you were on that day. And I just remember watching that tragedy and just, I, I couldn't comprehend it. I still can't comprehend it. And so I just want to take a moment. I, I think it's a good thing to pray for our country, especially on days like this as we remember. I also remember the faithfulness of God. I'll never forget, no pun intended, but... In the rubble, I went to, because I'm from New York, I'm from Yonkers, just outside the Bronx, and so New York City holds a dear place in my heart. And I remember um, actually going and, and to 9-11, the, the site, the ground where they were just, you know, took forever to remove all the rubble and everything. But I'll never forget looking in the middle of where that building collapsed, and there was this steel beam that made a cross that the firefighters had hung an American flag on. And I remember thinking that in the middle of the rubble, there was the symbol that Jesus Christ is in the middle of the pain and the suffering that people have gone through. And he is a redeemer for those who put their hope and faith and trust in him. He will turn beauty, take ashes and turn them into beauty. And, and I believe that that was a symbol to remind us. And so can we just take a moment to pray? Father, uh, thank you that we have the honor and privilege to live in this great nation, the United States of America. And Father, today uh, on the 
anniversary date of 9-11, we pray for those who were victimized, who uh, lost loved ones, who, uh, who bravely went in to rescue others and lost their lives. We pray for their family, their, the lost wives, the husbands, the, the children today that are mourning. Holy Spirit, we pray that you come alongside and you comfort them. God, I also pray that you would send your Holy Spirit to comfort this nation, to remind us even through that great tragedy, you brought this country together. In fact, there were more people that went to church in the wake of 9-11 than before. And I pray, um, I hate for pain and suffering to be the catalyst to bring people to faith in you. But I pray that even as we look back and remember that it would stir our faith and it would bring back those prodigal sons and daughters and those who don't know you back to faith in you. To look to you, God, is our source. In God, we trust. God, we pray for revival over our nation. God, would you do it like you did in the past before? Let it be undeniable that it is not a work of man, but it is an undeniable move of your spirit, God. We pray, let it begin here. Let it begin with this church. Let it begin with this valley. Let it begin with the great state of Montana. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. The title of my message to you this morning is simply this. Living encouraged. Living encouraged. I like that connotation of living. Because living, you know, we live our lives. We talk about that here. The life that I'm living. And Living in courage means that every day I am living and I have encouragement in my life. In fact, I believe that one of the greatest weapons the enemy uses in your life and in my life is discouragement. What's interesting to me about the word discouragement and encouragement, it is, uh, is derived from the Latin word coror, which means heart. And when you think about discouragement, it simply means that you lose heart. Dis means a negative. It has a negative connotation that you're losing something. You're actually losing courage or you're losing heart. And encouragement means that you are in heart. You're living wholeheartedly. You're living with courage. When I think about David and Jonathan, they were men now they fought real battles. They had real enemies. We're living in the New Testament age, and in particular, we're here in America where we don't necessarily fight enemies externally, but we fight spiritual battles. And I think oftentimes we underestimate the power of the enemy to discourage us and to mess with the destiny, purpose, and calling that God has for your life and for mine. For many of us, we continually battle discouragement. I'll tell you what, as a pastor, in fact, this is um, September 8th, was my wife and I's uh, ninth year anniversary uh, for saying yes to be lead pastors of this church. So we're in our 10th year of ministry, and I can tell you uh, that as a pastor, there's so many times, maybe you've heard like pastors all joke around how the Monday morning blues, how everybody wants to quit on Monday. and. Um, and what I love about Mondays, sometimes I, I might struggle with discouragement. In fact, I'll go home tonight. I tell you, Sunday nights are one of the roughest for me personally 
because the enemy will just come in, try to come in like a flood and discourage me. Oh, there wasn't enough people. This, this person wasn't there. That person wasn't there. Your message fell flat. You weren't good enough. You forgot to say this. this that something happened technically with, and, and just kind of messed with and, and And he just comes in like a flood. And one of the things um, I changed different, I used to take Mondays off. And I had a pastor once challenge me uh, and he said, why do, why do you take Mondays off? And I said, well, I'm really tired on Mondays and I just, I don't feel good, man. I kind of feel discouraged. And so, and he's like, well, I used to feel that way. I started taking Fridays off because um, I, would, I would just be more refreshed and I could be more focused on my family and enjoy my day off. And so I started having our, our staff meetings and our prayer time. We start out our staff meetings with prayer. So when you fill out a prayer request, those cards that are in your seat back, they're no joke. Like when you fill those out, we take those serious. We pray over them every Monday morning. And we love it when you send in testimonies of how God is working in your life. I'll say it like this, Monday mornings, I have to drag myself out of bed. I'm kind of tired from Sunday and uh, everything that, that goes on. Even that inner battle sometimes can, can wear you down of fighting discouragement. And when I read and when our staff goes around, we go around and we share wins. We share testimonies. And when I hear those testimonies and when I hear what God is doing in your life, when I see that, that check mark that somebody decided to give their life to Jesus or recommit their life to Jesus or wants to get baptized, man, it is like fuel for my soul. It encourages me, it strengthens me, and it reminds me, this is exactly why you do this, Lance. And there have been so many times where I'm just struggling. I actually keep a file in my, my top drawer of my desk. And in that, I have cards going back over the last 19 years of people just like you, many of you, your faces in the crowd, where you sent me a little card of just encouragement, just a scripture, just reminding me uh, God has called you, anointed. And sometimes when I'm having a rough day, I'll just go in that box and I'll open one of those cards and I'll read that and just something just starts to stir in me. Encouragement starts to rise up in my spirit. In fact, last week, I had a really rough week and just dealing with some things, struggling with some things. And normally Friday on my day off, I'm pretty excited about having a day off and spending some time with my family. Uh, it was the first home football game for Glacier Wolfpack, my son. Uh, he's a junior there playing linebacker and I just love going watching the games and being with him. And we went to the game and in between the JV and the varsity game, we went to a Mexican restaurant and I just wasn't myself. I just was not, I, I was not me. And it was because I was discouraged. I was dealing with some things, some challenges that you deal with as a pastor. And when you're vulnerable like that, the enemy just comes in and he just, he just puts more stuff on you because he wants to beat you down. And he just kept reminding me, hey, you're not a good father. Look at, you're struggling. You, you don't have encouraged your wife. You're not leading your family like you should. You, you should just quit. You should just quit minister. I'm like, all this stuff, right? And I'm eating dinner and everybody's having conversation and I'm there, but I'm not really there. I'm not really present because I'm dealing with all this internally. And my father-in-law and mother-in-law, they get up to leave. And he gets up to leave and he puts his hand on my shoulder and he leans down in my ear and he says to me, the flack is always heaviest when you're over the target. Pat me on the back and left. And... I didn't even know what that meant. <laughs> I'm like, but there was, it was like drinking a Red Bull for my spirit. 
it was like all of a sudden I had wings. Like it was like a shot of five hour energy that just got infused into my spirit just from one word of encouragement. It just encouraged me. And then later I had to go back and I said, hey, remember what you said to me at the restaurant? What does that mean? And he, then he, he sent me an email and he described to me in World War II um, when bombers would go over, would fly to drop bombs over targets, they would have you know, artillery that would fire at the, at the planes. And he said, you always, the pilots, if they could not see anything, this was before radar and all the stuff they have today. But um, he said that they would know when you're over the target because that's when you would get the most flak, which is artillery fire, enemy fire. And so that just encouraged me so much. And I wonder how many of us, even today, you walked in here today and the enemy's just beating you down, beating you down, telling you you're never gonna be good enough. You'll never be able to be who God, you'll never defeat that sin. You'll never be a good husband. You'll never be a good wife. Your kids are a mess. Your job thinks your life stinks. You look on social media and you see other people and their beautiful lives and how happy they are. And they just got back from a vacation from Mexico and you, I haven't taken a vacation in five years. And now all of a sudden your life is terrible because everything, think about this. You turn on the news. What is it? It's negative. You look in the newspaper, it's bad news. You go on social media and the enemy throws in your face how great everybody else's life and how much your stinks because you're comparing your life to their life and what you don't know is what you don't see. That even though they might post a picture of a big smile, their life is a mess and you don't know what's going on in the inside. And yet we are God's people. We are good news people. We are not bad news people. We're not the bad news bears. <laughs> we are good news because we serve and praise the Lion of Judah. He's the head, not the tail. Come on, we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. We serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords like we praised and worshiped. Do we mean it? Do we realize it? Do we let it get in our spirits? When we praise, we not only praise God, we remind ourselves of who God is. Some of us need to be reminded and encouraged just by who God is. He's faithful. And he wants to encourage you today. There's a couple things, a couple points that I have for you this morning that if we're gonna live encouraged, what we need. And if we're gonna live encouraged, we need to encourage others. Now, in me to encourage somebody else. But actually, there's a spiritual principle attack, attached to this that when we feel like we don't have anything to give or we, don't, we feel discouraged, that if in the middle of your discouragement, you will get your eyes off yourself and you will encourage somebody else, there's a spiritual principle give and it shall be what? Given unto you. Now I know that that is talking specifically about the tithe, but I believe there's a spiritual principle in there. Jesus even said it's more blessed to give than receive. It's kind of the principle, if you want to have a good friend, be a good friend. Yeah. If you wanna be encouraged, we need to learn to encourage others and in the process, encourage ourselves. It reminded me of, there's a story in the Old Testament about a widow. And the prophet Elijah, he is famished, he's hungry, you know, because that's what prophets, they fast a lot. 
in the desert. And so they don't have no food, they don't have no water. They're just completely dependent on other people helping them. There's a principle in there that oftentimes we, we need, God will use other people to feed you, to strengthen you. And so he comes to this widow and he says to her, what do you have in your house? In other words, AKA, what you got in the fridge? Kind of like your teenage kids or post-teenage kids now that come over to my house, kind of adult kids. They're not completely, I don't know, they're somewhere in between. But I know this, they come over to my house and hey, dad, what you got in the fridge? I'm like, you got legs, go find it yourself. <laughs> you make your own sandwich, you grow man now. But he comes to this widow and he says, what is it that you have in your house? And you know what she says? I've got nothing. I've got nothing to give. I've lost my husband. I'm discouraged. In fact, the creditors are about to come and take her sons away because that's what they did back then. Sons were a commodity. That meant, that, that was like workers. And so you didn't have no money? I'm gonna come and enslave your sons. This woman lost her husband. She's about to lose her sons. She's about to lose her life and she's discouraged. Yeah. And Elijah says to her, what do you have in your house? And she says, I have nothing. And then she says, wait, wait a minute. I got a little bit of oil left. It's not much, but I got a little. And you know what Elijah says? Yeah. He says, I want you to go and I want you to get that little and I want you to pour it into jar. And she's like, well, I don't know what that's gonna do. But she goes in and she obeys the word of the Lord and she goes and she pours out what she has. And this miracle takes place. And the miracle is that the more she poured out of what she didn't think she had, the more that God pours in and the more God provided for her. And she filled up one jar and it went overflowing. So she got more jars and then she, she got excited. She got encouraged because she saw that her jar was getting filled up. And, and then she went and said, go, go to the neighbors and get some other empty jars and bring them to me. And she kept filling and filling and filling. And the more she poured out, the more God poured in. Can I tell you a spiritual secret yes. this morning? When you don't feel encouraged, yes. if you'll just pour out and trust God in faith, God will pour in into you. And when you encourage somebody else, that God will bring encouragement to you. There's some time where I feel like I've got nothing to, to encourage somebody. And I just show up. And in the moment when I don't feel like I have somebody, if I'm just willing to show up and open my mouth, just like times where I get up to preach and I don't feel like I've got anything to give you. And God just fills my spirit as I'm pouring out, God's pouring in. Come on, turn to your neighbor and tell him as you're pouring out, God's pouring in. God's pouring in. If we're going to live encouraged, we got to be willing to be the one to encourage. I love Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. It says this, but encourage. I'm sorry, no, I'm jumping ahead. Um, you know, here's the thing about discouragement. We come to church, we go to work, we're in public places, we're on social media, and we don't usually show up with a frown. We don't show up like most people. Now I know you have that one friend. You know that one friend that just seems like they're always discouraged and they're never happy and they always got a problem. But for the most part, most of us don't show up to church showing what's really going on inside of us. And so I think 
Everybody, to some level, at any time, is battling discouragement. If I, if I were to guess, there's something in your life. You, God could be moving in your life powerfully. Things in your life could be good, but you're dealing with something. So I like to say it like this. Everyone you see is battling discouragement you don't see. Everyone you see is battling discouragement you don't see. And 2 Corinthians 7, 5 through 6, the Apostle Paul, he says this, when we arrived in Macedonia, there was no rest for us. See, when you're in a place of discouragement, you feel restless. You feel like, man, I'm just under it. I feel the burden. I feel the weight of the discouragement. It just kind of like presses you down. And he said, there was no rest for us. We faced, listen to this, conflict from every direction with battles on the outside and fear on the inside. What a perfect depiction of discouragement that we've got at any time, we've got things, we got bills to pay, we got kid problems, right? We got work problems, we got problems, but then sometimes the greatest things are the anxiety and the fear and the discouragement on the inside, the hidden sin that we're fighting, the fear, the anxiety, of, of things that we're looking at our future and we're fearful of. And he goes on to say in verse six, but God, <laughs> come on, how many of you could say, but God this morning? I'm here to remind you that there is a but God and he's good. Yeah. I like big butts and I cannot lie. And I love but God who encourages those. Come on, we could throw in a little little John, right? <laughs> but God, who encourages those who are discouraged, encouraged us by the arrival of Titus. Come on, just like Jonathan showing up. That's why I love church. That's why I love that you came this morning. Because oftentimes, you, by you just showing up and somebody else just showing up, I, I love it when I, I'm, I'm in public place Oftentimes, I'll have somebody come up to me and say, hey, are you the pastor of Hope Church? And you're not sure if you want to say yes or no at that moment, oftentimes. So you kind of do a yes. Is this going to be a good conversation or a bad one? And, um, but oftentimes, it's, it's good. In fact, I've rarely ever had it not be good. But oftentimes, somebody will come up to me and say, you know, I visited your church, and I'll hear this testimony of you often man, there was just somebody that came up and they gave me a word of God or they shared a scripture with me. They gave me a prophetic word and it just like, it changed my life. It turned my day around, my week around. It reminded me of who I was. I forgot who I was and I left being reminded of who I was. And I love that about church. I love that about church. That leads me to my second thing. If you wanna live encouraged, be an encourager. You gotta be an encourager, right? Hebrews 3.13 says, but encourage one another when? Whenever you feel like it? Ah, uh, you know, every once in a while I encourage somebody. No, he says, but encourage one another daily. Why? Because we need it daily. Come on, how many of you don't need? We get so many, in fact, psychologists, they have, they have uh, figured this, this out about the human brain. Isn't it ironic how we remember negative things people say to us way more than positive, yeah, right? Yeah. Somebody could say one thing to me that's negative and 
I can have five other people say something positive, but I won't remember the positive. I'll go home and be like, why did they say that about my blue suede shoes? Like, so what? Like, I know Elvis Warren, but you know what? I like them. They're cool. But they said something about it. Why, why do we remember those things and not the positive things? Because your brain has this tendency, a bias towards negativity. In fact, they said for every negative word, you need 10 positive words to overcome, 10 encouraging words to overcome every negative word. That's why Paul tapped into this spiritual principle and he reminds us that if you're gonna live in courage, you need to be an encourager. God has called you to be an encourager. This is what the body of Christ should do. He says, but encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, today. So today, who are you gonna encourage? Who's here that maybe God would drop a word in your heart to encourage? This is why when I came to church, I remember one time I came to church and I got in this funk, just like all of us do, no shame, where it became all about me and I don't like the songs they're singing. I don't like the word that's being preached. It's not enough Bible, not enough stories. He didn't make me laugh. You know, they didn't sing my favorite worship song. I don't like the way this church is being led, blah, 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 blah. Negative, 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 right? And I remember I had a moment in worship where the Lord took me to the back of the woodshed in the middle of worship. And he said, Lance, what are you doing here? Uh, I'm worshiping you, God. And he said, why did I bring you here to this church? I said, well, you called me to this church. Yes, I did. I called you to this church. And he said, did I call you to criticize it? You're criticizing my bride. You're criticizing my ordained. He says, I've called you to be the difference between what you want to see and what you're not seeing. Be that difference. And I went home with that word. It was heavy on me. But you know what? It's something shifted in my heart that day. Instead of coming to church to just receive, I realized that I was called to be a giver. I was called to be an encourager. And so I, instead of coming, like some of us do, dragging myself to church, like I need encouragement, I came full. I got in the word. I was digging in the word for myself, and I started coming to church full. And I started coming and I started praying before I'd come to church. God, who do you want me to encourage today? Who do you want me to minister today? And you know what? God would start highlighting people to me. I'd be in worship and he said, I want you to go pray for that person. I've got a word he dropped in my spirit to give to that person. And all of a sudden, as God started using me, he started filling me up and I stopped thinking about all the stupid stuff I was thinking about. And I started getting my eyes fixed on the right things and getting encouraged because God now was using me to encourage people. Yeah. Let me remind you of something. The right word at the right time can make all the difference. I was reminded of this when on our serve day and, and a couple of weeks ago, we had a serve day. That's where we as a, as a community of faith, as Hope Church, we go and we serve in our community somewhere. And we went to serve Evergreen Junior High and we did that and I love all of you who came out for that. If you didn't make it out, man, make it out next year because it's just such a blessing. Sometimes the greatest way you can get encouragement is just getting out of yourself and getting out and encourage somebody else. And I remember after we were done doing all our projects, we sat there and we had lunch with some of the teachers because the teachers were in there getting their classrooms ready and Principal Kim Anderson was there. And um, we're eating lunch and Pastor David gets up and he says, would anybody like to share, you know, 
how they, how they feel or what, what this experience has done for them. And I'm just like, oh, Pastor David, can we just eat? And, uh, <laughs> but yet, you know what? The biggest blessing was in that because people started standing up and sharing First, those who served, the blessing it was to have their family and serve with their kids there. And, but what really stuck out to me was when a couple of the teachers shared and Principal Kim Anderson shared. And you know what? Principal Kim got up and, and she said this. She said, what you guys, meaning Hope Church, don't realize is the little things are the big things. Yes. And the little things that you do for us make the biggest difference. And she was saying, she asked the teachers because one of the things that we did as a church is we gave them little rocks that were painted with words of encouragement on those rocks. And each teacher and staff got one of those rocks. And Principal Kim said, I have that rock right next to my computer. And there isn't a day that doesn't go by that I look at that rock and gain encouragement and strength from it. And, and then she asked some of the teachers that were there, she said, how many of you have, have that rock. Every single one of them stood up and said, I've got that rock and it means so much. She said, you, might, you guys might have think that's something little, but sometimes the right word at the right time can make the biggest difference. It can make all the difference in the world. The right time, the right word can make the biggest difference. I think we forget the power of words. I think we forget how much our words can build up or tear down. The Bible talks a lot about power of words. In fact, I want to read you a couple of scriptures to remind us this morning. Proverbs 18:21 says, "The tongue has the power of life and death." Wow! Come on, that's a big deal. Every time I say something, to you, I have the power to tear you down or build you up depending on the words that I use. The tongue is the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. Proverbs 12, 25 in the Amplified Version says this, anxiety in man's heart weighs him down. Come on, this is why, man, sometimes we just feel weighed down, we're burdened, we're carrying around things. He says, but a good, what? Encouraging word makes it glad. Proverbs 16, 24, gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Do you realize the power that you have in the words that you speak to people? This is why we have to be so careful in our marriages because we become so comfortable with each other that I believe yesterday I had the honor and privilege of doing a wedding ceremony, beautiful wedding ceremony, some dear friends of mine. And I'm reminded every time that I do a wedding ceremony and I am leading this couple through the ceremony and the words that I'm speaking in that ceremony, I'm not just speaking it to them and I'm not just speaking it to myself. I'm speaking it, the Holy Spirit reminds me to speak it to those who are in attendance. Why? Because we tend to take for granted over time our spouses. We tend to take for granted the gift, the beautiful gift of a husband or a wife and the beauty 
of holy matrimony. It is holy. It is blessed. It is ordained by God. It has blessed us to be a blessing. And yet, the most damage that we can do in marriage is our words. We can tear down our spouse. We can nag them, pick on them. We can tell them how much their weaknesses and their shortcomings and their lack. Or we can choose to build them up in faith, seeing who they are in Christ, not just who they are on the outside, but seeing the gold in them and calling that out. Come on, sometimes it just takes a little Holy Spirit unction to see beyond the surface level. That's what I want to lead a church that doesn't just see on the outside, but can see through the eyes of faith on the inside that there is something more inside of you that meets the eye, that you are not just the sum of your shortcomings, your failures, your discouragement, your weakness, that there is something on the inside of you that the world has not seen yet, that if somebody will just have a little Holy Spirit in them to see it and to speak it and to call it out and encourage somebody, that is the very catalyst that God can use to make you into the man or woman God has called you to be. It can be the difference in your marriage. It can be the difference in your relationships. The last thing I have for you and what we'll close is this. What happens when there's nobody around to encourage you? What happens when you're in the middle of going through something and your own friends turn against you? The people that you poured out and you, you, you loved and in your deepest need of encouragement, there's nobody around to give you an encouragement word. David also experienced that. There was another time in David's life when he had the Amalekites, I believe it was, raided while him and his boys, his mighty men, were out doing battle. They raided his camp. They took their women, their children. They burned down their whole camp. The dude lost everything in one day. Could you imagine that? The devastation, the discouragement. They come back to camp. Everything's annihilated. The smoke from everything being burned, everything they owned, their whole family's gone. Everyone's discouraged almost to the point of death. And in that moment, David's own friends and those closest to him, they turned on him. They started blaming him. Because oftentimes when we go through something and we can't describe the pain, what we do and what the enemy will do is he'll have you uh, turn your pain towards people instead of him who can heal it and bring comfort to it. And they turned on David and, and they said they were gonna kill him. They're turning on him and they're gonna kill him. And David in that moment, he had a choice. What do you do in that time when there's nobody to encourage you? In fact, all you see is discouragement. And David had to learn to encourage himself in the Lord in that moment. It said David in 1 Samuel 30 verse six, David was greatly distressed for the men spoke of stoning him because the souls of them were bitterly grieved. And each man for his sons and daughters, but David, he did what? He encouraged and strengthened himself in what? In video games, in Netflix, in a bottle of booze and cracking open a beer and going fishing, going hunting, looking at porn, no. David encouraged and strengthened himself in the Lord. And something turned in David's spirit. When just like in worship, I encouraged you to remind yourself, 
God is on the throne of my heart. He's my foundation. He's the one. And then after the Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord, he inquired of the Lord. He prayed and said, God, what do, you, what, what do I do? And God spoke to him and told him exactly what to do. He said, go and get, go and raid who raided you and go make war and I will be with you. And his men, he rallied his men around him and he strengthened and encouraged them out of the overflow of the strength that he got from the Lord. Sometimes you just need to get alone in your prayer closet. Sometimes you need to close the door. Sometimes, man, I've even had to excuse myself and go to the bathroom and I'm sitting on top of that toilet with it closed and I'm just praying and I'm asking God and I'm saying, God, I need you. I'm desperate for you. And the word of the Lord will come to me and quicken in me in my spirit. And I'll come out of that place in a place of strength, not weakness, not discouraged, but encouraged. David understood this principle and you've got to get it. Three times in the Psalms, David, I'm going to read one of them to you. In Psalm 42, five through six, sometimes you just got to preach to yourself. Sometimes when nobody's around, you got to get in your car. You got to turn on a little K-Love, positive, encouraging K-Love. Uh, and hopefully when they're not doing their marathon to give them money. And sometimes you just need to put on your favorite worship song and you just need to get in your car. And while you're driving, you need to worship God. And you got to remind yourself the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, that he's for you not against you. That he sent his son Jesus because here's one of the greatest discouragements that the enemy will use against you. God doesn't love you. How could he love you? Look at you. Look at what you've done. Look at your sin. And you got to remind yourself, Jesus loves me. This I know. David found the secret. Why my soul so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. He's speaking to himself. He's preaching to himself. There's sometimes where I gotta preach to my spirit. I gotta remind myself of who I am when I don't feel anointed, when I don't feel like I'm a pastor Lance and that I can, God has given me everything I need to do this. I gotta say, where, why my soul so discouraged? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior, my God. Why are you so downcast? And look at, here's the key. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan. Remember the Jordan? That's when God led him into the promised land. I will remember you on the heights of Hermon. I remember when you defeated my enemies and I stood atop of that mountaintop and I was on top of the world. I'm going to remember when I was on Mount Mazar, when you showed up in power and you moved in my life. David was reminding himself of how God had moved in his life in the past so that he can encourage himself in the present. I'm going to end with this. I, um, I was reading this interesting story about the 1984 Olympics that were being held in L.A. And it was actually the first time that they allowed women to long-distance run as a part of the Olympics. Now, normally, when you read about the Olympics or hear about the Olympics, you hear about the winners. You remember who won the race, who stood on that platform with a gold medal. This one was a little unique and different in that the first time they had a women's long distance, that there was this uh, woman from Switzerland, a runner from Switzerland, 
named Gabriella Anderson Schweiss. And she ran on this hot, humid day. In fact, it was 98% humidity that day. And she didn't drink enough water. She didn't hydrate herself enough. What, what's interesting about a race is that as you're running, there are people along the road shouting and encouraging for you and handing you cups of water to keep you hydrated and keep you going so that you can make it to the end. When they got to the very end of the race, what they would do is they would run into the LA Coliseum and you had to do one lap. Your final lap was in the Coliseum. Now what stuck out about Gabriella Anderson Trice isn't that she got the gold medal. In fact, she came in 37th place. But what everybody remembers about that day, not necessarily the winner of the gold medal, they remember the one who came in 37th because she finished the race, not because she won it. And as she ran into the stadium, the medics quickly ran there. Now, if the medics come and help you, you're disqualified. And she ran, she didn't run into the Coliseum. She staggered into the Coliseum. In fact, she looked drunk because she could barely walk, put, barely put one foot in front of the other. She was that weak, that dehydrated, muscles cramping, didn't look like herself. She's like woozy. And yet she waved off the medics because she was determined she was going to finish the race. They didn't know if she was going to make it. They stood right there thinking that she was going to collapse, but she went around the track little by little, one foot in front of the other until she fell across the finish line and they caught her. But what gave her the strength to make it across the finish line was that when she started staggering into the Coliseum, everybody in the Coliseum stood to their feet and started cheering. What started as a little bit of cheer quickly became a roar and the whole stadium stood cheering for her in waves and she said she just drew so much strength and encouragement hearing the crowd cheering her out and it reminded me of Hebrews chapter 12 coming right out of Hebrews chapter 11 that the, the story and the history of the faith of the people of faith and the people of God that through the years had believed God and the promises and some of them received the promise in this life and some of them received the promise in the next life but yet they all believed in faith and it goes into chapter 12 and in the beginning and though we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses do you understand something right now that when you are discouraged when you are at your worst you have the church surrounding you cheering you on this is the beautiful picture of the church it's also a beautiful picture of of heaven that there are those right now cheering you on say come on you can make it. You've got this. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Come on, stand to your feet. As we close today, I realize that anytime we gather, there may be some of you that you haven't put your faith and hope in Jesus Christ. And maybe today is that day for you. I would be amiss if I didn't give you an opportunity to respond to this word. Maybe you feel you came to church this morning and you feel discouraged and you're looking for hope. 
I'm here to tell you this morning that there is no hope apart from the hope that we have in Jesus Christ and what he accomplished on the cross for you. My Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for you and for me, not only to forgive you of your sin, but to give you his righteousness, to encourage you in your spirit. And for those he saves, the Bible says that he puts his spirit inside of you. The Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the one who comes alongside you to be a constant encourager to you.